is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from Homey. Find out what they can do for you. Get online, homie.com. Stop paying those commissions, people. It's ludicrous. You could be saving thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, get online, homie.com. Uh, Gordon, we're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on uh, uh, the Jazz start and, uh, and what uh, else is going on around the rest of the NBA as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with uh, with him. He's always very insightful, and so yeah, it's terrific. We have a we have a great lineup this year, in that regard, like you were talking about. And uh, I've got good news for our listeners, by the way. Later in really the show, good news? yeah, later in the show, I'm going to present my 2021 jazz nicknames. Yeah, is that is that really good news? Uh, well, it's tradition now. I do it every year, and I sort of change them up because we want the same nicknames every year. Uh, yeah, it's a highlight. Okay, at four thirty, we'll we'll dive into that. Mark mark it down. Set a reminder <laughs> in your phone. Four thirty. Gordon's nickname. I'll send out a push notification. Uh, right now, let's <laughs> let's talk some basketball with Howard. Austin, Please. hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the zone phone we go. As you heard, the big man, the big voice man right there, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. He's uh, our friend Howard Beck. Uh, Howard, a new gig at SI. Congratulations, my friend. Excited for you. Good afternoon, fellas, and thank you. And, yeah, it's kind of cool hearing the uh, – I don't know who does the voice there. He's got a phenomenal voice. But hearing him uh, actually introduce me with the new title and, and the Sports Illustrated uh, – behind it like that that was that was cool i like it i need i might i might need that for my voicemail or something <laughs> that's a great idea can you imagine that that would sound terrific do it can pass it along we can get that yeah. we can make that happen we know a guy <laughs> <laughs> well howard thanks for jumping on with us and uh we, we're excited about this nba season and eager to get your thoughts uh let, let's start off uh, with the utah jazz and uh kind of talk to us what you think about the the start they're off to and the offseason they had i mean you know there was it was a, obviously a short off season for everybody and there was a lot of movement in this league. The Jazz were not part of, of a, a lot of the bigger moves, but, I mean, the most important one is just getting Bogdanovich back healthy and being whole again and starting a season with, you know, you know just this, that whole group of, of, you know, get Conley, you know, it's a year two. Is he, is he a little bit um, more comfortable? And Mitchell taking another step forward. I mean, I, like for them it's not about – you know the off season. It's just about getting you know back to to what they hoped they would be and were in flashes last season. But I think the difficulty is that you know this league is is ever changing and keeping up in the West is tough. So the Lakers win a championship and get better. 
Uh, the Clippers flame out, but probably got a little bit better in swapping out Harrell for Ibaka. The Nuggets have stumbled out of the gates, but I still think the Nuggets are, are one of those teams that's right up there. And, you know, I, I think that the, just the mere emergence of Michael Porter Jr. makes them that much tougher than they were even last season. And then, you know, Dallas is on the rise, and Portland had a really strong offseason, and Phoenix is now in the mix. So I, it's to me, like the, we know who the, the Jazz are. We know what their identity is about. We know what they're trying to accomplish. We know who their personnel are. I think it's for them more about can you wring the most out of this group that's possible and get some growth around the edges because the the landscape in the Western Conference is just brutal and, and, and unforgiving and you're you, you know it, it's almost like you're just trying to keep up right now. Funny thing about the Jazz, Howard, is that. You know, a couple of years ago, they were all about the defense and all that. This year, they're trying to hurry this thing up. And, and do, you, do you think that a strong defensive team, if that can be recaptured, because last year they slipped a little bit, but can a strong defensive team also be a high-paced team? Yeah. I mean, I, listen, there was a time when the conventional wisdom in the NBA and this even haunted Mike D'Antoni's Phoenix Suns when people were still very resistant to the idea that you could be up-tempo – and play decent defense, that you could be a high-scoring team and play decent defense, that you could shoot a lot of threes and be a good defensive team. There were all these notions that I think in, by, you know, by today in 2020, nearly 2021, with the help of analytics and tracking and everything else, we now have a better understanding of the game that, for one, the Suns weren't as bad defensively as they were perceived to be at the time because no one was accounting for pace back then. And if you actually you know went per 100 possessions, they were middle of the pack defensively. They weren't they were not good, but they weren't terrible. Um, you can be up tempo. The Miami Heat, when they were pacing space, that was you know the the pace was was uh, certainly they were trying to be an up tempo team. Uh, the space was the three point shooting. The Warriors, you know, won championships playing a certain style that obviously had a fair amount of pace to it. And I think if you start with a defensive foundation like the Jazz have and you are as stout as, as they are in the, in, uh, in, in the half court, you, the, the trick is can you push the tempo for your sake on, you know, when you've got the ball, but slow it down when they've got the ball. Um, can you meld those things? And plus, you know, look, there's transition defense. Can you, can you simply, uh, you, know, you know, beat your guys, you know, beat, beat the other team back um, so that you can, you can set up and, and not let them be – uh, taking advantage of transition opportunities, so you you can find a balance there. I, and and I think that they have the advantage in that they were already a really strong defensive team. Going back to the Jazz offseason for just a second, Howard, uh, were you as surprised as we were uh, that the Jazz changed ownership this offseason? Because i got to tell you, and Gordon, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you uh, had the same experience. It came out of nowhere for us. Did not see it coming. Um, did not even hear whispers about that around the league. And, um, you know, I, 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 it's not something I covered. I was uh, between uh, gigs at that moment. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of insight. You guys, I'm sure, know more about it than I do at this point. But um, I, I think that caught uh, a lot of people around the league by surprise. Howard, uh, I, I suppose that in your preseason predictions, you had uh, the Magic being in first place in the East, right? I mean, that was just uh, understood, right? 
It's a lot of fun when we do this every year, right? I don't mean we, like the three of us, but all of us, the media, the fans, we get a week into the season and some team that we didn't expect is 3-0 and some team that's supposed to be good is 0-3 and we all say, where the heck did this come from? Like, well, we were so shocked. Like, you know, um, I, would, I would just say that uh, in the course of any NBA season, uh, a bad team will have a three-game winning streak and a, and a good team will have a three-game losing streak. And in, if it happens in February – we don't think anything of it, <laughs> but when it's starting starting the season, somehow the three and zero or the zero and three looks somehow more striking. Um, the Orlando Magic are fine; they're not they're not going to be a good team. They're 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 going to they're they're going to be scrapping for eighth or ninth or tenth in the East. When you talk about that and be getting off to a rough start, does that same logic apply to a team like the Rockets who are winless to this point, only two games? But is this going to be a problem? Is this an indication of, uh, of a bigger problem with, with the whole James Harden thing or what? Well, look, they, they had a game postponed because of COVID protocols and not having enough avail- available bodies. Then when they finally play – you know, it's it's Harden rejoining the group, and after he was late coming to camp, and he's not in, in tip-top condition, and there's the chemistry is going to be a little weird because of all of, of the uncertainty about his future and his trade demand. So yeah, I mean, you expect them to be in kind of a weird place. Um, on the other hand, you know, Dave offensively at least looked pretty strong, and Harden certainly doesn't seem to be affected at all by any of this and by by the numbers he's putting up. I think they're fine. I mean, listen. If Harden can just be patient and set this thing aside for the moment, because the Rockets have to be patient. They have to make the best possible deal. They can't just rush into something just for the sake of resolving this. If everybody can just cool their heels and be professionals, the Rockets have a lot of talent. And right now they're on two with no Eric Gordon and no John Wall and no DeMarcus Cousins and all the other stuff we just talked about. So they'll they'll get all their bodies back soon. And we'll see what they are. But the Rockets have the chance to still be a pretty strong team because of James Harden. And, look, John Wall is post-Achilles surgery, and so is DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm not expecting those guys to return to all-star status. But there's enough talent on that team around James Harden that the Rockets can still be very competitive and still be a playoff team if they don't end up trading him. And if they do end up trading him, it'll just you know, depend on what they get back, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I, they're not a team that I'm, I'm – thinking that much about except to the extent of when are they going to finally make the trade or is is the right offer going to come along in the meantime as i say i think they can be really good because james harden's still a top five player in this league i think if we're going to point to a team that you know the the small sample size aside that i actually think oh i wonder if if they're you know if this is a sign of something the clippers being down by 50 at halftime to dallas on Sunday and then losing the game by 51, that's hard for me to wipe away as an aberration because the Clippers already had a bunch of frailties that were exposed in the bubble. I mean, they get knocked out in the second round. They're a team that was supposed to go to the finals, a team that a lot of us thought could compete for a championship. And they were undermined by poor chemistry and not enough playmaking and poor leadership. And when all that is already a part of your the, the, the bigger picture around you, and you lose by 50, well, I, I, it, like, that doesn't feel like an aberration. That feels like maybe a warning sign that some of these things have not completely been resolved. And no, Kawhi Leonard didn't play, but, you know, it's not like Dallas was stacked with talent. They have Luka, but Porzingis isn't playing. And the rest of that team is, is you know, 
you know, pretty much just your 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 average assortment of players. So it it's not like they got their butts kicked by some super team. So I, you know, I'm not going to overreact to anybody's losses right now or anybody's record right now. But I do think that 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 was a a, a not great sign for the Clippers. In the West, Howard, how far uh, do you think the, the distance is between the Lakers and the next best team? Considerable, but not insurmountable. Um, they, you know, they, they won a championship and they had their flaws and they patched some of those flaws. I didn't think they were deep enough. And I didn't think they had enough playmaking and they, they really did a, a phenomenal job of filling in holes you know Schroeder gives them another ball handler and playmaker and scorer and you know relieves a little bit of of, uh, of the burden on LeBron um, the combination of Montrez Harrell and Marcus Gasol assuming Marcus Gasol you know like he's up there in years so you know, there's there's some quality you know some some uh, you know quantify or qualifiers there but I think that Marcus Gasol is a definite upgrade over JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard. You know, those guys are more active bodies, but Marcus Gasol can do so much more with the ball in his hands as a, as a playmaker out of the post. And Montrezl Harrell, as we know, sixth man of the year and, you know, a, a live body who can, who can score a lot, you know, defensive liability. But the two of those guys plus Anthony Davis who's going to play a lot of center anyway, you got a really nice rotation up front now. So um, nobody else made any real strong moves. Like the Blazers are better than they were. But it's not like they made up ground between themselves and the Lakers. The Clippers did not make up ground. Uh, the Nuggets, I don't think, made up ground. They, there's no like no no team in the West got uh, significantly better aside from the Lakers. You know, I mean, the Suns got significantly better, but that's to go from lottery team to playoff team. I don't think anybody who was chasing the Lakers has closed ground on them. Howard, I'd like to circle back around on the Jazz. And it's something that you mentioned earlier. A key specific of that, whether the Jazz can do uh, fulfill their potential, if you want to say it that way, is Donovan Mitchell. Is he good enough to be a superstar player, or do you think he'll always just sort of hang around that all-star level? I guess it depends, Gordon, on where you're drawing the line between star and superstar. Um, we've some of these terms we throw around so loosely. I mean, there's, you know, there's there's the guys who are perennial all stars, and then there are guys who are perennial MVP candidates, and then there's probably a group that's somewhere in between where they're higher level all stars, where sometimes they're flirting with the MVP discussion. Like, you know, where's Damian Lillard right now? Yeah. Um, he's gotten some MVP votes now and then. He's never really been in the running for MVP. He's been on MVP ballots, but has he ever really, has he ever been the favorite or, or, or top? He's never finished top three. I don't think. Um, Paul George has, has, has been in that, that discussion, right? Perennial MVP and has had moments where he entered the discussion and, and, and I think finished uh, within the top five, what, two years ago. So, there are guys who flirt with that. Donovan Mitchell's still early enough in his career that I, I think I don't think we know what the ceiling is yet, and I, I think the potential is there. I think that he sure he's a guy who if you have the right group around him and he keeps making strides, and he he he, oh, he seems to have all the right things going for him in terms of, the, of his his work ethic and his character, all the all, all the intangibles that you want to see because it's the intangibles that separate the stars from the superstars anyway. It's not talent. Like, it definitely is not talent. Uh, people think it like talent is what separates Anthony Davis and LeBron and Kawhi Leonard from, like, the group beneath them or the group after that. And 
No, like there's a certain amount of it, but like everybody in the league has a certain amount of physical gifts. The, like the guys who are the elite of the elite, it's because of the way they go about the game and their their work habits and their off season and everything else. And that's what I think Donovan Mitchell has going for him is that I do think those elements are there. It doesn't mean he'll get there, but the potential's there. And, and then it's a, a matter of how you build around him because ultimately in this league, the MVP discussion becomes, I think, fairly how much did your team win also? So um, I've, I've veered a little bit from your star to superstar discussion into the MVP uh, uh, framework, but it's, you, you get the point. It's, it's, it all kind of merges together. I kind of like that because uh, if we were going to define it a little sh- more sharply, I, I just I, – I, how many superstars are there in the league? Uh, I mean, Not that who, many, yeah. yeah. Are we talking about five, six, maybe seven? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I think in any given year – it's 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 somewhere like five to eight, and then there's a bunch of other guys who are stars or all stars, and some guys who like in any given year might be an all star, and so you can go you know twenty thirty, and then after that it falls off into into you know a, a vast array of of role players of various shapes and sizes. But the the true like superstars, it's less than ten in any given season, and some guys are superstars maybe even because of the way they play, as much as whether or not they're winning, right? Like. Russell Westbrook, for most of his career, has been a superstar based a, a lot on the pyrotechnics of his game um, as much as, as the effectiveness of his game. And it's been effective at times, too, and he has won an MVP. Um, at this stage of his career, at 32, wherever he is, like, is he, is he still a superstar? I mean, he'll have superstar numbers. Uh, the Wizards, another team that, <laughs> if we want to say hit the panic button early, um, I think they're 0-3. Uh, 0 3, 0 4, like they're, they're, you know, they're, they're dragging a bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not a big group. Uh, Howard, uh, real quick before we let you go, we talked to Mannix the other day uh, as he came on the show, and uh, he talked about how excited he was to do, uh, do a podcast with you now and would uh, encourage our listeners to go and, and check it out. But if you ever want to compare notes on how to deal with a diva co-host, uh, uh, my, my phone line's <laughs> open, buddy. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, you know, uh, Mannix and I, we're working through it. You know, I may need some <laughs> advice at some point. Um, so far, we're we're doing okay, you know. But it's it's all over Zoom right now, so we can't we can't actually hurt each other. So that's that's a plus. What's going on, guys? <laughs> he, he, you know, when we asked him about you, it, Howard, he he uh, he insulted you before he complimented you, which is what of a lot of guys do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I fully expect that. <laughs> Howard, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you next week. See you, buddy. That's our friend Howard Beck, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated. And, yes, check out their their podcast. They actually have a couple episodes up already, the crossover NBA show with Chris Mannix and Howard Beck, uh, two of our daily assist guests and two of our very favorite people. And uh, it, it's it's great stuff. So I would encourage everybody to go on there and check it out. Yeah, it's he is really smart and very insightful and uh, – has a breadth of knowledge about a lot of things. And Mannix is very high maintenance and, and yeah. has a big ego. <laughs> Thanks. And so, yeah, Thanks I, for... I, I know what position Howard's in. I, yeah. I can sympathize. Mm-hmm. I really can. I appreciate that, Jay. It's, Thank it's you. rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he got a kick out of that one. 
it's it's rough. No, it, it's cool. I I was stoked when I saw that uh, that Howard ended up at, at Sports Illustrated because it it does show that that SI is really making an investment on up in their NBA coverage. Because Chris, you, you know, uh, already is great, but to throw Howard into their mix that was a, a smart move on their part, in my opinion. No doubt. Yeah. All right, uh, we are live here at Homie. Jump online, homie.com. Find out what they can do for you. Our friend Katie jumping on with us once again. And, uh, Katie, let's let's talk about all the different stuff. We, we talk a lot about buying and selling, and, of course, you know, we can get into the figures of, of saving money there. But you, you guys do Homie Title, Homie Loans. I mean, the whole process, you got covered. Yeah, exactly. So Homie Loans, it's a great time to, to refinance right now. So if you're not looking to buy or sell a home and you found your forever home and you just want to save some money, now is a perfect time to do that. Interest rates are still at an incredible low, and we've made the process, again, easy and affordable for you. Um, so head over to homieloans.com and just fill out your information one of our loan officers will call you and they'll get you hooked up with an incredible interest rate. pretty amazing that they've stayed low for this long i mean it can't last forever obviously i know so. yeah i like i've talked about before i've refinanced and me and my husband we refinanced to a shorter loan instead of a 30 year we're down to a 20 and so over the life of the loan we're saving over a hundred thousand dollars so that to me is is a very good feeling knowing that I'll pay my house off sooner and I'm saving a lot of money in interest. So, of course, that's a big deal. And buying or selling a home, uh, you, you do it uh, uh, for much less than, say, the traditional co- uh, commissions. Much less. Yeah. And we've got title in-house, too, so we can take care of you, your refinance or anything like that here in-house, or even we'll come to you and have you sign the paperwork at your house. So, you know, if you're a normal uh, Joe like Austin and myself, you're saving a ton of money. But imagine if you're buying or selling that palace Monson lives yeah, in. Yeah, if I'm you're buying you. and selling the palace that Monson lives in with the new backyard and the new hot tub, then we'll, we'll save him tell some you, money. Tell you what. Uh, all right, get online, homie.com. That's homie.com. Thank you very much, Katie. We appreciate you. Thank you. All right, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to Howard Beck for jumping on with us uh, in the previous segment. Uh, Gordon, I've asked all of our uh, daily assist guests now, as we've gotten things back up and rolling, what they've thought about the Jazz offseason. And I don't want to speak for them, but their reaction has not necessarily been it puts the Jazz on the next level. You know what I mean? (laughs) And again, I'm not trying to to speak for them or anything. Uh, I, I don't necessarily wholeheartedly agree with their assessment, but I, I have kind of taken that away from it. Am I, am I misreading it in, in no, your opinion? I, no, I think you're, you're reading it exactly right. And it's, the Jazz have a lot to prove. They, they have to prove to people like Howard Beck and a whole lot of fans out there and others, and maybe TV networks, um, just how good they are or how good they think they are. And they can't do that by playing the way they have in the last two games. It's so gotta if, be, it's got to be, it's got to be because the, the standard that we're measuring them with against is, is silvery high now, you know, I mean, it's no longer, Hey, you're good. You got to be better than good. 
So where, where do you think uh, the, the underwhelmedness is, is coming from? Is that is that because of the underachievement perceived last year, where yes. everybody thought maybe they could be in the top two or three in the West, yes. and it didn't it didn't play out that way? So, are, exactly. are, let me ask you this then: Are you and I, who are both more optimistic than that, is uh, or do we need to reassess things? Maybe we could be wrong. We could be wrong about this team. You and I have, have been because we look at it and we think last year. You know, I'll never forget the conversation and you and I, that you and I had uh, with Gail Miller when we were talking about a championship team and building a championship team last year. And she was she was optimistic, but she said maybe not this year, but next year. And she, I think, she sensed something that maybe a lot of the uh, the the folks around the country who are observers of the NBA, NBA were missing a little bit. And we all thought that Mike Conley was going to make a big difference. Well, he didn't make a big difference last year. He didn't. And I wrote a column about this. It's posted at sltrib.com right now. That uh, that Mike Conley is Mike Conley again. And he wasn't Mike Conley last year. He was toward the end, but for the lion's share of the season, he was not. And that and that was something people were counting on to be a, a, a big lift to the Jazz. I think it's there this time. And we'll see if, if he maintains the consistency that's necessary. Because that's what the Jazz wanted out of him. How many years? I mean, Ricky Rubio, terrific. Terrific guy, good community guy, all that stuff. Couldn't hit the open shot. And in Quinn's offense, that's pretty important for a point guard to be able to do. And Mike Conley came in and, and didn't really provide what he provided for Memphis. And I know it's a different situation, different offense, all the different players. But but I think he finally looks comfortable to me. I think Bowler mentioned that yesterday. Um, he didn't look that way last year. He looked discombobulated. Boyan Bogdanovich was probably a little better at the offensive end than we expected. A bit of a weakness at the defensive end. Uh, this time around, we'll see if he continues to get better, as he has every single year he's been in the NBA. If he does, then the Jazz will be in good shape. And then, of course, you talked about the perimeter defense that needs to improve. And, and whether the Jazz get that or not, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But I, I think this team is going – this team this year is going to be what so many uh, experts were pr- predicting for the Jazz a year ago. Here's the, the only concern, because I, I hear you about Mike Conley, and this is looking back in hindsight, right? But I don't know if what Mike Conley provides or provided or provides is, is what the Jazz needed or need right now? Well, it sure looked that way the other night against no, Oklahoma and, City. And, and he's been good. I got it. But it, it maybe that that extra player that we talked about for those couple of years that the Jazz needed to add to get, get them to the next level, level, maybe it wasn't a point guard. Uh, I, I think it is. Uh, well, <laughs> nothing is the complete solution, but it, it, he would – uh, a, a, a point guard who could score consistently, but I and think, set up and set up his teammates to do likewise. But I think that's Donovan Mitchell. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Oh uh, yeah, but it, I mean, it seems to me like Quinn wants Donovan to take over games at the end. 
but I'm not sure that he wants him to do that throughout throughout the entire game. And that's where Mike Conley came in so handy the other night. He was the only one that was doing anything. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you get my point. But but also, I mean, you're now now we're justifying a role that that is costing the Jazz thirty million dollars. Where your your opinion is, well, we don't want you at the end. <laughs> so you know, like, yeah, but, but the only way you can do that is if you trade Donovan Mitchell for a better player. No, because no, no, not, I guess not, not every not every player can take over a game at the end. Yeah, but that maybe that's not what you want the the role to be, where you make that investment, that other player. You know what I mean? And and they've got Mike, and and he's playing well, and that's better than Mike Conley not playing well. But but, but, the, but, but you you wonder if there's duplication between Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. And if maybe that in, that extra player would have been better served as uh, somebody who had a different skill set. That's all I'm getting at. And I'm not they, even yeah. saying I'm right. Yeah. But uh, it does come to mind. That could be the case. On the other hand, though, remember what happened with Donovan against the Rockets a couple of years ago and in other instances in the playoffs where teams just loaded up on him. And so if they do that now and Mike Conley is comfortable in the offense – and they and and Donovan is running into that kind of thing if he's keen on his passing and gets the ball to Mike Conley, then Mike Conley has the ability to punish teams for doing that. Okay. Uh I hear you. And again, I mean we're getting we're getting down to, you know, some very specific circumstances, but I, I'm more thinking along the lines of and again, maybe I'm wrong here, but if if you can really pay two and a half guys on your team, right? Or three. You know, you have the cap room to do that. You know, we've looked at uh, other teams in the past, like Miami. They really paid LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, right? Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the pieces were, were put around them at vet minimum contracts or, uh, you know, trades and that sort of thing. But, but you really invested in three players. And I think in the NBA, that formula is there. You can really invest in two and a half to three players. And I say two and a half because if you, you know, super max somebody, then you have fewer, uh, less to pay that third guy, right? So if you're going to, if you're going to really be able to play play three guys pay three guys excuse me i wouldn't want those three guys to overlap i would want i would want you know a big and rudy uh a, a ball dominant guy like donovan and uh you know a three and d athlete wing or well i mean that that seems ideal to me but do you understand what i'm saying like if you're paying you're three saying. guys on this team you're playing right. you're paying rudy donovan and mike conley and you're paying two of them to overlap that doesn't make a ton of sense in my mind uh i, I hear i hear what you're saying uh but but i think if you're going to make that comparison the greatest responsibility is on donovan mitchell to be lebron james be that level of player unfair as that may be but really, I think this can work if Donovan is the star that we were talking about with Howard. Uh, and we don't know whether he is that player or not, or if, if, if that's the truth. But that's what needs to happen. I don't think the third star, really, I mean, if you, if you have a capable, talented guy who can hit shots and do some other things, set up your teammates. And, and uh, now that Mike is used to Rudy, you, we're seeing him do some things with Rudy and with Derek Favors that uh, he, he might have been less comfortable doing a year ago. But really for the Jazz to make that three-star pay those guys a lot and hope for the filling in around the team, the biggest responsibility is on Donovan Mitchell to be that superstar. 
And if he is, then it can work. I, I think if Donovan Mitchell is a superstar this year, the Jazz are going to be super successful. Okay, but uh, it comes I, down to that, and, and because I think Mike Conley is good enough, Rudy Gobert is good enough, and then you throw in a few of the other players coming off the bench and whatnot. <laughs> I hate to dump it all in Donovan's lap, but if he is a superstar, the Jazz will be great this year. But when you say that a lot, Donovan go out there and be a star. Well, the way Donovan is a star is he's got the ball in his hands. And if Donna, if you're saying Donovan needs to have the ball in his hands more, then that means it's not in the hands of others less. And Mike Conley's game is having the ball in his hands. But but my point with that is that if Donovan Mitchell is going to be boxed in and he's got to deliver the ball to someone else the way LeBron does at times, then then you have to have a receiver of the ball who can score. And Mike Conley can score. Okay. But I, 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 I hear what you're saying, Jake. I, I, I'm sort of just filling in the edges uh, around what you're saying. Uh, is there some duplication there? But, but with LeBron, there's duplication, too. Why? Because he plays every position that every other star you're going to have on your team plays, too. Which is not Donovan's game. Um, but I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I, I, in an ideal world, here's what I'd like. I'd like a player that could score the ball, you know, like you're talking about, whatever mm-hmm. would be necessary, 15 to 20 points a game, right? I mean, you've already got Bogdanovich over 20 points a game, so we're talking 15 to 20 points a game here. I'd, I'd like that player uh, to be able to also play defense against the other team's best player. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a high expectation. Um, well, it's thirty million dollars. But again, is this is all this is all hindsight too. You know, we didn't know exactly. You know what? Uh, you know, kind of player would fit next uh, best next to Donovan Mitchell? Everybody was talking about him being a two guard two years ago. I mean, yeah. you and I had had the conversation like, is that really the future? His future position? But I mean, everybody was still under the impression that Donovan Mitchell is going to be an off the ball player, and I don't. That's not his future. I care more about, if I'm putting a team together, I care more about another player's ability to score than I do about his position. Because there's going to be times when Donovan needs help. And, and if, you, if he can pass the ball to somebody who can make the other team pay for their attention paid to him, then it'll loosen them up and give him greater opportunity to do what he's capable of doing because they can't commit all those resources to stopping just one guy. Right. I, I got you. But I think it's more about the role on the team. I mean, we can talk about scoring, but the NBA is so much about roles and what role you can fill and if what you do best fits into what the team needs. That's I, interesting I think it's, more, I think it's a little it, more complicated than just I'm looking for somebody to score because that's actually Bogdanovich's role. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it can be – you can have duplication in that regard. I mean, because what do we talk about in basketball these days? You say there are specific roles, but there's also positionless basketball. Right, but right? It's, it's not position. It's role on the team. Like, what was one of the reasons Jimmer Fredette uh, ultimately did not succeed at the NBA level? Because there wasn't a role for him in the league. 
There was a role for him in college, being the ball-dominant guy that created his own shot, but that wasn't ever going to be Jimmer in the pros. He never found a role to contribute to an NBA team. I'll, I'll tell you, Sam Merrill will be, I believe, around in the NBA for many years because he can fill a role, a guy who can come in for 10 to 15 minutes a game and bang down threes. Everybody's looking for that. Okay. Dennis, Dennis Rodman, the ultimate role type of guy. He finds a role and he, he exploits it. Draymond Green, same thing. Like those guys aren't quote unquote superstars, but they were all stars because there was a role to be played and they filled it uh, to a really, really high level. But okay, okay, I, and I hear everything you're saying. I, I get that. But think about it in these terms Donovan Mitchell is taking over a game like he did last year against the Nuggets. And suddenly uh, the other team does uh, double team him. And he needs to get rid of the ball. So he passes the ball to someone like Mike Conley, who now has the ability either to score himself or to set up one of his teammates like Rudy Gobert going to the rim and dropping a a nice teardrop pass into him where he can score too. So I I think the ability for Mike Conley not just to be a a spot-up shooter but to do other things with the ball as well gives you more flexibility than just – just creating a role and then drawing this delineation that, okay, you have to fit in between these two lines, and and that's all you can do. I hear what you're saying about the defense, though, because that sure does help. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. We're live at Homie. Find out what they can do for you buying, selling a home. They can save you thousands. Go to Homie.com. We'll have more straight ahead. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This time is time and time with your time and his news is captured. Uh, did the boys uh, get what they wanted for Christmas, Sam? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed, Gordon, to admit that question or answer that question truthfully um, because of kind of admittedly uh, gross, uh, gross rather, commercialism happening at the moment um, as we speak for uh, for our weekly visit here i've got no fewer than like five windows open on my screen still trying to actually buy their <laughs> christmas present which is the um the elusive ps5 oh, that we have not yes. gotten our hands on oh, of course go <laughs> you don't seem like a big video game player uh, what are you gonna do with your new playstation 5 can your kids use it I got a $2,000 DVD player. <laughs> um, no, my children will not be using it. I don't, you obviously don't have kids. Do you have kids? I do. I have an eight and a five-year-old. Do they play PS5? Uh, my eight-year-old will. He's not a five yet. Oh. <laughs> Is your five-year-old? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> That's probably what I'm... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they will at some point. By the time they're playing, my, the twins are four and the ass are... Um, my daughter is not into video games at all. Um, Jacob is a little bit with an iPad or a screen, but um, I don't know what I'll do with it. I might look for bidders. Um, I might keep it. Um, I actually, like, honestly have no idea actually what it does. I know it plays video games, but I don't actually know what else it does. So I might just keep it myself. But no, I'm not a video game guy, but Mike Conley is a very very good teammate well joe uh, or sam memo to sam amick call joe ingles he's got your ps5 for you bro sure get him on does. the horn 
Yeah. Welcome on back. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from Homie. Yeah, our boy Sam. Uh, what did he say uh, by the end of the interview? What did he say, Gordon? He had 27 screens? Uh, 37. Like that. Is that what it was? <laughs> he did, yes. Yeah. Well, Sam's got connections. He could, he could probably get a hold of Joe somehow. Well, he's got Joe's cell number. He did a few stories with him last yeah, time. Yeah, that's year. right. Well, we should alert Sam. There's an extra PS5 in the wind. Joe doesn't <laughs> well, it, the the bid is going up, though, on it. So. Oh, yeah? Well, you heard Joe there. He said he's going to take the highest bidder. <laughs> well, you know, Sam's a big deal. He's running for the athletic. He could probably, you know, he probably get it. It, it. You know, it seemed to me Sam was just trying to locate one. He wasn't complaining about the price. He was <laughs> just trying to find one, right? Yeah, that's right. Scotty, Scotty was funny earlier. He he said to Ben uh, Anderson, who asked the, who was asking the question on Twitter, uh, if Joe Ingles asks you if you're a video game guy with a PS5 on the on the line, you say yes, yes, I am a video game guy, because then maybe his kids would get the PS5. From, <laughs> yeah, right. From Joe. Yeah, see, crazy. Well, there you go. How about that? Mike Conley getting uh, getting his teammates all PS5s. How did Very he get nice. his hands on them? On that many of them. He's, He's connected, I guess, Aust. You know, he's Mike Conley. He's wow. NBA, star, NBA player. Yeah. He's he's probably knows a knows a guy who knows a guy or you know, the, some fell off a truck or something. <laughs> it's better than uh counterfeit karaoke machines a few yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool though, to have a teammate doing that, you know. I mean it's no, you know, personalized golf balls or anything, but well, based on based on you know my income versus uh, Mike's, uh, I probably uh, exceeded the the, the penalty. <laughs> so that's what it's about. It's not just about a nice gift or a holiday. No, just uh, you spent more per capita on us than Mike that, Conley did on his you teammates. Just dropped? Kind of probably. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, Jay Drew is going to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. He covers uh, uh, BYU for the Des News, also covers Utah basketball. Um, but he's got a, uh, a piece coming out about Zach Wilson uh, that uh, that uh, we'll ask him about. But uh, did you see this, Gordon? You, uh, the Ute Football Twitter put out a picture uh, of a couple of different things. One is a kind of a wood cutout of a Ty Jordan jersey uh, and mounted up looking looking very nice. And then also included uh, a round thing with a Utah logo that has a, a message printed on it uh, that says, Utah family, on behalf of BYU football, we want to express our deepest condolences for the loss of Ty Jordan. Regardless of where our loyalties lie, the state of Utah lost a phenomenal football player and person, one who exemplified being a great teammate, competitor, and son. His legacy will live on through, uh, through us each day as we strive to be the best we can be. Fly high, number 22. Much love, BYU football. Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. That is really good. I mean, yeah. that's that makes you feel like people are having putting things right where they should be. You know. Well, and and when we talked about this the other day, Gordon, I, I talked about how the Utah sports community lost somebody, and I, I think this is kind of an example of that. It's you know, it's not a big community. It's kind of a small community, actually, yeah. and and that uh, that hits everybody. I mean, you look at the way you know fans reacted, and it what a tough story. But I I, I thought uh, I wanted to bring that up because it's just kind of a, a reminder, and I don't know if we all need a reminder, but just just kind of a reminder that 
you know, sports and sports hate and rivalries and all that stuff are, are really fun. And, and we love it. And I, I love it. And we talk about it each and, and every single day. But it, it's, it's just that. It's, it's just sports. It's just fun. It's not what actually matters. And I thought that was a nice reminder that uh, we're, all, we're all here in one community. And, and when we lose somebody, it hurts. You know, and the thing about that is that it does hurt. And most people who are listening to our voices right now, they didn't know Ty Jordan. But when they heard about that, they felt hurt. You know, it's like ah, there's a great quote from somebody. It says, "Was he?" I, I don't. I don't remember the exact uh, wording of it, but it's along the lines of every time uh, someone is lost, it uh, it takes a little something away from everybody, and and that's the way I think people felt about watching Ty Jordan develop as a freshman running back and just how great he was. And you hear about the effects he had on his team as far as being a, kind of a bright light. And for someone of that age to be lost, just heartbreaking for people who didn't even know the guy. So I wanted to bring that up. I thought that was a really cool gesture. Uh, gesture, excuse me. Good for mm-hmm. um, uh, you know BYU football, Kalani Satake, Tom Homo. I'm sure there were many people that had a hand in it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I thought that was pretty awesome. And pretty awesome uh, that the Ute Football Twitter account was the one who kind of revealed it, too, right? Mm-hmm. And that it makes it feel a little bit more personal. So uh, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, Jay Drew, speaking of BYU football, he will join us coming up right around the corner. Jay uh, Gordon, as you know, was quite vocal when that uh, anonymous NFL scout comments uh, came out over the weekend. So we'll get his opinion because he seemed to indicate that it – it flew in the face of his own research uh, for a piece coming up on the Deseret News. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to have one iota of effect on the way uh, Zach uh, is judged by many NFL teams. He's going to go high, and that's just the way it is. We're live from Homie. Get online, homie.com. Find out what they can do for you. That's homie.com. Uh, and Katie joins us once again. And Katie, maybe for somebody who's a new listener or who hasn't necessarily heard you on the station before, uh, talk about Homie and just how they figured out a different way um, uh, to do it, to buy or sell a home, and it saves people thousands of dollars. Yeah, well, for a long time, the real estate industry hasn't changed. The the technology has definitely changed as we've looked at real estate. Um, You're able to look at homes on your phone now. You're able to sign documents over the computer. Um, You're able to do a lot more things with technology, but the way we're treating real estate, it hasn't changed. And so um, our founders were able to look at that and say, you know what, we can do it better. And so um, we were able to create a a process and utilize the technology that we have and utilize real estate agents um, and really make sure that the customers are seeing the savings that technology has brought them. And so we are... um, you're able to list your home online, have a real estate agent that's going to hold your hand throughout the whole entire process, help you list your home for the price that it's worth, help you with that whole analysis, um, help get the, the showings through, help, um, help schedule those showings and making sure that when those offers are coming in from, from your buyers, you're able to, to look at all those offers over and decide what um, offer is going to be the best for you. Um, on the buy side, if you're looking for a home, we have an app that's a fantastic app to go and search through, search for a home that's, that's right for you. Click to take a tour. Our agent's going to meet you at the door at a time that's right for you um, and just walk you through that whole process. And they'll help help you through, you know, all of the things that you need to do in order to buy a home all the way to closing. We'll help you buy with a loan. We'll help you with all of that. 
You know, I think your personal story is actually a, a really interesting one and kind of a, a testament to, to what Homie is because you were in the real estate world before you came to Homie. Because I know there are a lot of realtors out there that are a little grumpy about the whole thing. But, but you saw the different way that they were doing it and hopped on board. Yeah, um, it was it was hard for me um, as I was, a, a, you know, an agent. I, I loved it. I was helping my friends and family find the, their dream homes, and it was something that I really enjoyed. I love helping people find the home that's right for them. It's something I have a passion for. Um, what I didn't have a passion for was that check that I would get at the end. I'd look at that, and I'd say, man, I just don't feel like I earned this money. Yeah. And I, I own my own business with my husband, and so I know how much work it takes to make money. Like, I... I have that concept and I, I just don't think that the amount of work that you put into selling one home is worth the three percent that you're you're making um and so i was honestly going to pull out of doing real estate altogether it just it wasn't something that was making me feel fulfilled and um then i'm an avid listener of of your guys's show of the whole network and i heard johnny on your show and um was like, man, maybe there is a different way. Maybe there is a, a different way that we can do this and we can actually help save people money and make homeownership more attainable for other people. And, um, and that's when I was a, a homie convert. So yeah, I still have my real estate license. I'm still a realtor. Um, but I, I don't believe that we should be doing things the way we were doing things 30 years ago. I think that things have changed and we can definitely save homeowners so much more money and honestly make homeownership easy and affordable for all. How is our guy, Johnny? I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. He's doing great. He had kid number, I think he announced on your show that yeah. he was expecting kid number eight. So yep. kid number eight came, another boy. Wow. So seven boys and a girl. So That's, that's nuts. <laughs> but Johnny's great. You, you're great, Katie. Really, the, the crew here is terrific and it's You've saved our listeners a lot of money. We appreciate you. Thank you. All right, homie.com. Get online, homie.com. We'll have uh, more coming up next. In fact, uh, Jay Drew joins us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.